0: Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, your savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Natalie Taylor. Natalie, are you ready to do this?
1: I am. I'm glad to be here.
0: Excellent. Let's, let, let, let's do this. Natalie okay. is a CFP and a BFA. She is a financial technology consultant, speaker, and thought leader. Again, I'm excited to have you on. Natalie, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do.
1: Sure. So personal life, I'm, uh, I live in Santa Barbara, California. I am married um, to my partner of 18 years, and we have two kids, six and eight. I have two crazy wild boys. Um, I always wanted to be a boy mom, so I'm stoked. I coach football, and coach soccer, and coach basketball, and all the things, which is so fun. Nice. And yeah, and then professionally. So uh, I'm a financial planner, um, and I spent half my career in private practice serving clients, which was phenomenal. I thought I'd do that forever. Working with clients was like my first love. Um, And then I spent the second half of my career in FinTech. because fintech really gave me the opportunity to figure out how can I have an impact at a greater scale? How can I help more people than I'm able to on a one-on-one basis? And so now 16 years into my career, um, it's come a little bit full circle. So now I have two businesses. One is I consult in the fintech space for startups um, and bigger companies like SoFi um, and Elabest and LearnLux and others. Um, and then I also have a planning practice. So I really missed working with clients one-on-one and um just seeing the light bulbs go on for them and seeing the peace sort of wash over them when we got to a point of clarity um that i i just missed and so um i am back serving clients again i work with clients in their 30s and 40s who most of them have kids or are thinking about having kids but most of them have at least one kiddo that's under 5 so they're in that crunch time period where they're making good income. Usually they're making a couple hundred thousand to $500,000 a year. Um, But cash flow still feels tight because they've got big child care bills. Maybe one partner has taken a step back um, from career temporarily while kids are young. And so they're navigating that change in income as well. And they're just in a tough season. Um, But there's so many critical decisions to make during that season. So it's a season that I'm just emerging from, my kids being six and eight. And... I just have a lot of love for um, couples and families who are in that stage. And so that's who I serve in my private practice, which has been phenomenally fun and rewarding. Well, that's so, awesome. Yeah.
0: Well, I certainly appreciate everything you just said, because you're talking about my wife and I with a four and, <laughs> four, four, four and a one-year-old and, and and all that, and both boys. So I'm going to have to pick your brain um, uh, perhaps yes. after the show about, about how, how, how that whole thing works out. but. <laughs> Well, very cool, so, so eight years in practice and then eight years working as a consultant for FinTech. I'm sure that was an incredible experience, both. Uh, and now being 16 years in, I, it, I'm sure it feels like two separate careers and, and you sort of talked about how, 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 how it's coming full circle. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm constantly uh, both encouraged and terrified by, by technology, um, and I think that uh, there, there's FinTech, which is doing so many wonderful things for us. How do you mm-hmm. think about bringing sort of bringing technology together and helping people sort of marshal all the available resources?
1: Yeah, that's such a good question. So I, you know, I always previous to being in FinTech was always like my husband's good with technology. I'm good with numbers. Like the technology's not my thing. But then I got into FinTech and I worked for a FinTech called LearnVest for, um, five and a half years. And um, that excuse no longer served me um, in my work, and I realized the power um, and the impact that you could have through technology to be able to impact more people. And so then it became like a, an invaluable tool to figure out how do I combine human advice and human interaction with technology that can surround that experience, um, not only to improve the experience for the client or the end user, but also to bring price point down. because. Financial planning, like true, real financial planning. And I'm not talking about like what you should do with your retirement account. That's investment planning. What I'm talking about is like financial planning. Like how do we do our budget and how do we afford the stuff that comes up? Um, The house projects and the travel that we want to do. And how do we balance that with working towards retirement and college and paying our mortgage? And should we pay off our student loans or should we start saving in a 529? All of that kind of stuff. Do we have the right amount of life insurance? Do we have the right amount of disability insurance? What even is disability insurance? (laughs) Um, All of that stuff is the stuff of financial planning. And so for me, technology um, helped me crack a net that I feel like I've been able to crack, been been trying to crack my whole career, which is how do we get fiduciary-level, meaningful, um, impactful financial planning advice into the hands of as many people as possible? And and for me, technology opened up an opportunity to do that in the fintech space. Um, so that's, that's been really meaningful to me. And then on the private practice side, my private practice is more like a traditional private practice in that um, it's mostly about the meetings that we're having together. And I do a bunch of calculations in the back end, but it's not a tech heavy experience for my clients um, because I don't have any tech that makes it meaningfully better for them. Um, that I have access to that I think is worth the lift and the cost um, both time wise and money wise for both the client and me and so a lot of that work is actually sort of low-tech compared to all the work that I do in FinTech, but there's so much value in it so um, one of the things that I'm working on this year is figuring out can I? roll out a hybrid approach to financial planning that helps to put the tools into the hands of clients so that they can start to do some of their own calculations, and I can support them in a one-to-many sort of format to bring the price point down and provide accessibility to clients that wouldn't typically hire me, be able to hire me, or afford me, or make that choice. How can I continue to make um, the work that I do and the impact that I can have more accessible? So, um, so yeah, I'm just I've been I've been like constantly trying to solve that same problem for 16 years and. The time in private practice, the time in fintech, and now getting to be in both, it's just more opportunities and more ways to solve that same problem.
0: Yeah. Well I certainly appreciate all that. And and, and, and everything you just said really resonates with me as well. I've um, long been bothered by by the the fees and the expenses and just the complexity of of of, of the industry, it seems unnecessarily. Um so the more that 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 we as an industry can do what you've just described is 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 nothing but a good thing is it essentially just trying to close that behavior gap and 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 to somehow empower and motivate people to 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 do that work up front
1: it's it's about more than just the behavior gap so the behavior gap is certainly part of it um you know somebody giving you a calorie counter doesn't in and of itself help you lose weight. Yeah. Um, and for me, it's a lot more about the, being able to convey the, um, not only the knowledge and the education, but the guidance and perspective that comes with having a meaningful framework to your So for me in my private practice, I work with some clients on an ongoing basis because they know that they want the accountability and support and behavioral coaching over time. For others, and I would maybe put them in like the facilitated DIYer bucket, um, they're comfortable doing a lot on their own, which is phenomenal. You don't need to pay me to do things that you are comfortable doing on your own. Um, But if I can help with putting all of the pieces together into one picture and helping you have a framework and a perspective and some strategies to use to continue with your decision-making process as you execute over time, then with those clients I'll do like a one-time engagement and we'll do three or four meetings together and walk through everything because I have, probably to the detriment of my business, I have very much like a teach them to fish sort of mentality that if I can transfer um, some of the perspective and strategies and framework to a client, that that is a win. Um, For them to feel self efficacious, for them to feel confident, for them to feel at peace and for them to feel empowered, um, that they can move forward with or without me that's where I need them to be that's where I want them to be
0: yeah I certainly appreciate that and I I, I heard um, I, I suppose it's kind of an analogy that and I, I'm gonna totally butcher this Natalie so 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 kind of bear with me that, <laughs> that, that 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 Buddhism is not trying to have people come and 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 worship on a Sunday or just just a weekly basis like other religions it's trying to for lack of a better term well I don't know if it's fixed people but really teach them to fish so that they're not having to be reliant on, on that. I think that's a terrible metaphor analogy, but I think people kind of get it. Totally. Uh, but, but yeah. And, 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 and yeah, from a business standpoint, it's probably not, not – it's, it's essentially the opposite of the AUM model where you're just making money off people whether you're talking to them ever again or not. Mm-hmm. But but it's certainly the right thing to do. Um how yeah, you, for me, I think ahead.
1: that it's really important to align, um, I'm sorry, but um, it's important to align um, value with cost um, with price. And so, and we do a terrible job of that in financial services, to your point of like, uh, people who have a million dollar portfolio and are paying 1%, you're paying 10 grand a year to somebody. And it's rare that you're actually getting 10 grand worth of value. Right. There are some phenomenal advisors that are giving $10,000 worth of value for that fee, but... Most of them are like, I maybe hear from my guy once a year and I don't know that we've rebalanced. I, you know, I and you're paying ten thousand dollars, but you just don't notice it because it's in your investment portfolio. And so, you know, again, probably to the detriment of my business, I don't charge for financial planning that way. My financial planning fees are straightforward. You're paying a fee for advice and you pay either upfront or monthly. Um, but it's very it's a very clear exchange of money for value. And if you do want me to manage your assets, um, I charge 0.25% for clients, which is a quarter of what the industry average is, um, which again, to the detriment of my business, but I don't feel that I offer more than a quarter percent worth of additional value on top of what I want the client to be on the winning end of that. And I don't want to be on the losing end. I believe in a win win, but I just feel like. I can't justify a 1% fee on assets. And so for me and my business, given the value and the cost, the right spot for that is 0.25%. And that's only if somebody wants me to do that. You know, I tell a lot of clients, I would go to Vanguard with your Roth IRA and I would open, you know, use a target date fund. You're really not going to get much better anywhere else and you don't need to pay anyone to manage it for you. Um, So again, to the detriment of my business, but I still believe that having the perspective of client first is ultimately a win for me and for my business. And so that's where I live.
0: Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Has, has that always been your perspective? Yes. So even, yeah, I even mean, when you're just getting started
1: when I first got started. So I started as um, an advisor in a traditional American express financial advisors, which became Ameriprise and we were paid six 75 an hour, six dollars and 75 cents an hour. And then we got half of whatever commissions on hmm. products. And so I lasted all of four and a half months there. <laughs> um, and I realized that was, not, that was not how I wanted to do business. Um, and so I took a role as a paraplanner, which is analogous to a paralegal, and ultimately grew into an advisor with a practice that um, I was mentored and I learned a ton from him. And, and his pricing model is different than my current pricing model, but... The client first approach, the idea of like give, ask, receive, um, all of that was very much in alignment with where I am now.
0: So for people who are listening, they say, well, everything that Natalie is talking about makes sense to me. Obviously, they can reach out to you and 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 and, and work with you directly. But just in the spirit of, of helping people to sort of figure out um, how to go about figuring out that, that your model is, is, is correct, or if, if there's somebody that requires more hand-holding, or, or if they're more of a DIY, how, how, what, what, what advice would you give to people?
1: I would say, um, you know, it's, it's important to get clarity on how you want to work with someone if you want to work with someone. Um, and it's really confusing for consumers. I think the financial industry is among the worst. In terms of making it clear who does what and how they get paid. Mm-hmm. So, if you're considering working with someone, either as a second opinion, like you're a DIYer, but you want to work with someone temporarily just to optimize and make sure you're not missing anything, um, I would ask a few questions of anybody that you potentially work with. Um, one is Are you a certified financial planner? Um, the second one is Are you a fiduciary in all business that we do together? Fiduciary means that they have to put your interests first and not their own. And believe it or not, most advisors are not held to that standard. And some advisors can be held to that standard in some situations and not others. So the key question to ask is, are you a fiduciary in all of the work that we do together? Um, And if you get two yeses, um, that's a good start. Um, And then I think finding out who they specialize in because... For example, I will have clients come to me or referrals come to me that say, you know, I have $5 million and I'm just about to retire and I'll say, I, I'm i not the right person for you. I, You need good advice um, and I have served clients like you in the past but you are not my specialty right now and you need specialized help. You need somebody who is serving people in the life stage that you're in. And so I think finding somebody who serves people like you, and who you can be an A client for. Um, I talk to a lot of um, clients who are in their 30s and 40s who say, oh, well, I, I have some accounts at you know XYZ Firm because my parents do business there, and so I have a little bit there, but I never meet with anyone. That's not what it's like to have a financial planner of your own. Um, so, and then I also think that there's a matter of fit, of personality. You know, I, I wrote sort of a rant that I actually send to any potential client before we meet. Um, it's on my website. Um, and it's it's really my perspective on what it means to be a good financial planner And I say things like if your goal is to die rich and make as much money as you can I'm not the planner for you um, But if you want to align what matters to you with your money um, And you want to balance enjoying life today and saving for tomorrow um, that's great and if you become wealthy along the way even better um, but finding somebody whose message and brand voice and per- approach really resonates and who you feel comfortable talking to, um, and who you and your partner feel comfortable with too.
0: Very well said, Natalie. I appreciate that very much. When, when, when people ask you what you think about the stock market or, or, or what's going to happen with the stock market, what, what do you say to them?
1: Uh, that's a good question and one that I get <laughs> all the time, um, I would say that the stock market over the long term is a tool to get you to where you want to go because most of us can't afford to save out of pocket for our goals. We need the growth of the market um, to get us to where we want to go. So you'd have to save in some cases 10 times as much to retire um, if you don't utilize the stock market versus if you do. So instead of saving a thousand a month, you've got to save 10 grand a month, which is ridiculous right. um, to be able to retire someday. So. The stock market is an important tool to use for long term goals. Um, I'm not a day trader, I'm not a a stock picker. Um, I believe in having that most returns come from having a well diversified low cost portfolio over time. Um, And that has continued to be true. You know, I've managed assets since early 2005. And so I went through the Great Recession, um, managing assets, um, and obviously what's happened in the COVID crisis. the truth remains the truth, which is a well diversified low cost portfolio gives you the best chance at being successful over time. And, you know, for me, clients sometimes want me to say what's going to happen, you know, what what policy changes are going to happen if Biden wins, you know, or, or whatever um, happens politically or in the market. And the best that we can expect to do is make great decisions with the information that we have available to us. And be willing to adjust those decisions as more information becomes available. I always say that having long-term goals like retirement for somebody who's in their 30s, you know, it's a long way away, and it's very likely that things will not unfold the way that we plan for them to unfold. But casting a long-term vision and thinking long-term helps provide um, motivation for something to work towards, and. It informs the set of decisions that are right in front of us, um, because that's really all that we have to do at any given time is, is make the decisions that are in front of us um, with the best information that we have available. So I'm a long term planner by trade. That's what I do. But it's all done so that we can have the best information possible for the decisions directly in front of you. Um, and then, you know, for those who want ongoing planning, then we continue to go through that process. Um, and it allows us to move meaningfully forward, even if we don't know exactly how things are going to unfold.
0: I love it. The truth remains the truth, Natalie. <laughs> well, Natalie, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them?
1: Okay, awesome. Um, so I would say, you know, there's there's a couple that, I, that come to mind. But the one that I'll share is a budgeting concept um, of budgeting at the account level and not at the expense level because I know for the clients that I work with um, they don't really have time to manage every single expense and so what we do is we break down expenses into a few categories one of them is fixed expenses and those are things that it doesn't matter if they're mandatory or discretionary they're just things that are the same every single month whether it's Hulu or your mortgage have those all run through their own checking account have a checking account just dedicated to those fixed expenses and get all of that noise out of the checking account that you actually look at every day um, because there's nothing you can do to change it unless you decide to quit Hulu but like in general those things are all on autopilot so um, and for my clients you know between childcare and mortgage and sometimes student loan payments that might be 60 plus cent of their monthly budget so instead of managing a budget of 10 grand a month or 15 grand a month they're really only managing a budget of maybe five or six grand a month that they actually have any influence over. So take all of that and remove it, put it into a fixed checking account, let it all go on auto pay and take care of itself. Um, and then really focus on those flex expenses where you actually have some control and some influence, which is basically any time you swipe a card or, or click purchase um, or hand over cash. Again, it doesn't mean that they're mandatory or discretionary. It's just that that's where you have influence on a monthly basis.
0: Well, I think that, that is great stuff. That definitely gets it. Come on. Come on. Natalie, thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> where, where can Savage Nation learn more about you? How can people engage with you?
1: Yeah, thanks for asking that question. Um, a couple of things. So you can go to my website um, to learn a little bit more about my services and what I do um, at com, And um, you can also find me on LinkedIn. Um, so if you look up Natalie Taylor CFP, you should find me pretty easily.
0: Love it. And that's, is it Natalie Ann with an E?
1: No E. My dad wouldn't let an E. Just straightforward. So N-A-T-A-L-I-E-A-N-N-T-A-Y-L-O-R.
0: So was that like a point of contention for mom and dad? Was mom like, we're putting an E on Ann. Your dad's <laughs> like, no way. Not not in my house.
1: I think it was. My dad's <laughs> very really straightforward, you know, like very no-nonsense. Right. And mom thought an E might be...
0: Sure. Anyway, your yeah, dad's no like, e. there's there's no utility to that E. Perfect. <laughs> well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Natalie your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to Natalie, N-A-T-A-L-I-E, and A-N-N, Taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R.com. Check out all the great resources that Natalie has on there and find her on LinkedIn as well. I'll list all those in the notes of the show. Thanks again, Natalie.
1: Awesome. Thanks for having me.
0: And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. I know how important it is for me to hit reset, to refocus, reprioritize, and even reprogram myself every quarter or so in order to make sure that my mind, my body, and my money are where they need to be. These days, we are all going hard constantly with so many demands on our time, our attention. That's why I created the Strive Online Bootcamp, to be able to take a step back, to ensure that we're optimized in three key areas of our lives, our minds, our bodies, and our money. And I'd love for you to come with me on this two-week journey. You can click on the link in the notes of the show, or you can go to strivedetox.com. Check out the program. I'd love to have you a part of it.